Five Drive. Catch up. Music on the Five Drive Heritage Tour driven by Suzuki at the Suzuki dealership in Umslanga. As mentioned, we came through the KZN Midlands yesterday. Uh, and whilst we were there, we got to meet this incredible woman. Her name is Dr. Carolyn Hancock. And she's one of those people who just in her own life has a CV that is so vastly impressive. But not only has she done amazing things with her time on this earth already, but she's also done most of it for the betterment of others. And very much a part of this tour is putting people like that on the spotlight, right? So this is somebody who became a local hero by influencing legislation around the collection of DNA at crime scenes, like specifically in sexual assault cases. And she went on to change so much of how, from an evidence-based perspective, these kind of things are, 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 like, are better off than they had been previously in the past because of her hard work and her dedication to sciences. Then, following all of that, instead of kicking back and retiring like some would, she starts a school for the most vulnerable parts of our society, of which there are still so many. There shouldn't be, but they are. That's the reality of where we live. And if we don't afford people chances, where are we going to get to? Right? They always say you've got to fix education if you want to fix the society. So Dr. Carolyn Hancock, we met her at the school that she has been instrumental in setting up Temberlitle in the Midlands in KZN. Standing there with her and a student who has now gone through the school and, and gone on to have a totally different life to the one that she would have been able to have otherwise, we started to speak to her about her past and what it is that led her here. And this is the kind of thing that's just going to fill your cup of positivity up on the Heritage Tour. Take a listen. Um, so I'm Carolyn Hancock. I'm the chairman of this organization, as well as a, which is Temberlitle School, as well as another one, Angels Care Center. And um, I'm actually a scientist by training, so I'm a geneticist. I have a PhD in genetics and spent many years um, teaching at UKZN uh, in that department. That was my passion. Um, but having grown up in the 70s and 80s when I went to school and then lecturing right through the change when I was the only girl in the agri-faculty and certainly there were no black people to teaching a wide diversity of students, um, I guess subconsciously it became very uh, meaningful how impactful education can be in transforming society. I then went on to work in forensics with the DNA Project, which um, is an, was, was a non-profit organization. And I worked with Vanessa Lynch, um, an amazing woman in Cape Town. And between the two of us, we managed to get the legislation changed in South Africa so that DNA could be used in criminal cases. So she was the legal mind and I was the scientific mind. And um, we didn't give up easily. It took us 10 years, but we did it. And um, while I was doing that, I was, of course, at the same time, a wife and a mother. And I live on a farm just outside Howick. And we had a number of staff that worked for us. And one of the things that we did was pay the school fees of our, for our staff's children because, as I say, education's always been, been important to me. And I didn't believe that any one person should be entitled to education above another in South Africa. So it became quite annoying because for two of these children, I couldn't do an EFT. I couldn't access a bank account. So eventually I said, okay, just send me there. And, um, and I'll just go and pay them in cash. And I arrived at, at, at a, what can only be described as a shack that I, you probably wouldn't keep your goats in. Um, it had no windows or doors, 120 children, one teacher and, and an assistant, and absolutely no educational resources at all except a broken blackboard. And yet teaching and learning was actually happening there. 
But this was way past 1994, um, and I was absolutely horrified that it was happening in the middle of my community. And we've met the woman, Dr. Carolyn Hancock. We just found out about how her research in science and genetics went to go and change legislation for the way in which sexual health cases are treated in South Africa, cases of sexual abuse, and helping give more evidence so as that hopefully more perpetrators can be brought to book. Not only doing that, she then realizes in her own life that she's connected to a world of people just outside of her own circle who aren't afforded the same shot at one of the most crucial things in the world, education. And so she says, well, I've seen this problem like so many of us do and I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to build a school and give kids access to it. I'm going to change people's lives. This is what she then did. Take a listen. So I asked the, the lady, Mrs. Santuli, that was running the, te the school at the time, she was a teacher, like how on earth do you manage? And she said, well, we just do what we can. And the parents have entrusted me with their children and um, this is what it was. They were from grades one to three and she said, but it's, it's actually worse than what it seems because we're being thrown out of the shack at the end of the year. This was October. And um, I have been known to be called naively optimistic in the past. And I probably did the most impulsive thing of my entire life. Uh, I went home and I remember saying to my daughter who was studying for matric at the time, I'm going to build a school. So, of course, she paid no attention to me as matriculants daughters do. And... Um, and I then thought I would set about trying to find a place where I could do something, build a few classrooms. I mean, that, that was what was in my head. I'll build a few classrooms, maybe try and find some extra teachers, raise enough money for that. And it wasn't as easy as it sounds, but eventually I drove past the Methodist Church in Hoek and I saw they had some unused prefab buildings. So I drove in, said to the minister, can I please use your prefabs because they don't look like they've been used very well and by the way it's your job to look after other people. So he said no you actually can't have my prefabs but we do have another property and that's where we're standing now and um, he said it was actually bought for us by a Methodist church in America to start a primary school in your community in the community but we've never had the funds to do it. So if you can find the funding and make it happen you can use the property. And he brought me here. And that was how those, the first three classrooms were built. You can see they're built out of prefabricated materials. So um, literally by between the end of October and the beginning of the school year, we had three classrooms up and running and more teachers employed. And all 120 children moved across here. Snintemba, who's with us, being one of them. And um, and I kind of, I guess, you kind of think your job is done at that point as a, I said, it wasn't like I didn't have a normal job at the same time. But then you realize the challenges that these children, you know, you, you become even more aware of the enormous challenges these children and their families face. Many of them live in an informal settlement surrounding Hawaii. No water, no sewage, no uh, electricity, nothing. Um, and so how on earth can they access quality schooling? It's impossible. And so every child, in my opinion, deserves a dignified, safe space to learn. And that's what this began as. So we started with grade one to three, then we added on grade four, because what we were gonna do with the grade threes when they finished. And then every year after that, an additional class. So that's this campus here that you see. 
And then about five years ago, we managed to buy a part of the property next door. Um, and we decided, we had a decision to make. We could either turn it into a boarding school, we could expand to a high school, or we could just stick with what we thought where we had the most impact. And that was foundational education, which I still believe is where you form a child's character. Um, it's not all about learning how to read or, or do long division. It's also about creating a young person who can cope in any sphere of society. It's a beautiful story and it's change in action. We're going to actually meet someone who was taken out of the school, that things were falling apart, the roof was about to cave in, the blackboard was cracked, was given an education by Carolyn, who now is a person that has a future she never would have otherwise had. Uh, you'll hear from her later on the show. You're going to hear more from Carolyn, why she's so inspired to be a South African and all the things that make her tick and make her want to see a better country on the show in a bit on the Heritage Show. We've got news headlines and sport. Jude and Nudd standing by. I am very excited to share with you the theme for the Five Drive Heritage Tour this year, driven by Suzuki. That theme is milestones. Here is what that is all about. Buckle up for another Five Drive Heritage Tour, driven by Suzuki. Celebrating the milestones that make South Africa truly unique. So every year when we head out onto the road, we try and get a sense of where the pulse is in South Africa at the very moment at which we're going to embark on another epic road trip. And for us this year, we thought that the pulse of South Africa is one that desperately needs to be given reasons to be hopeful, reasons to fall in love with South Africa, and reasons to be reminded of all the incredible things that we have all already done and the greatness that lies within all of us. And we thought, what better way to bring that out than to make the theme milestones. So milestones can be anything, right? Milestones are the biggest things that successful people have done with their life. Milestones are the highest mountains and the widest rivers and the furthest converted kicks from halfway, you know, from the Francois Stein. It's, it's, it's quite a deep question, but it's what you would consider your, like a milestone in your life to have been. Um, and so perhaps it is, is, you know, winning the rights with the, the DNA and that or whatever it does, anything. But then also in some way how you feel that being a South African or living here contributed. Being a South African. Yeah, so obviously I represent, as many of us, only one certain sector of our amazingly diverse uh, society. I guess I've always, and I've been brought up in a household where I, I was never allowed to take that privilege for granted, number one. Um, number two, as I say, I was always involved in education, knew the power of it. Um, I guess for me, the time came when I was presented with, with something Social justice is so important to me and equality and the amounts of inequality in this country are just too vast for anyone to even vaguely condone them. And when I came face to face with it myself and saw all of those children in a shack and it was post-apartheid, there was no reason for it, there, you know, no legitimate reason for it. It was just, it was incomprehensible to me that that was how the status quo should be. And so, as I said, it was an impulsive decision. It's one that I've never regretted, but that probably was the defining moment. And I knew that I was in a position to help. And if I had just walked out of that room that day and not done anything, those children, I don't, I, I don't know where they would be today. They probably, most of them would have dropped out of school. We certainly wouldn't have young ladies like Snantemba that are now um, qualified and giving back to their own community. 
So, yeah, I guess that was a defining moment. I can't say I had to be working on a national level on, on changing legislation in the country. It's, I think it's a very personal thing. I count myself as South African. I know I've been overseas. We have American funders. They're always looking for the black person in the room when I'm going to meet them at a meeting. And, and hello, it's me. You know, I'm actually the South African and very proudly so. Um, so I guess yeah, it's just been the most amazing journey. When you've come through living through apartheid, you know, you, you, you kind of knew what was going on, but you didn't know what was going on. You became far more aware in my instant, in my case. And then I had the opportunity to give back and I grabbed it. The lesson in this for me is you ask a South African who has changed legislation around the collection of DNA at crime scenes in South Africa, what their milestone is. And they go and they talk about how other people in the world are potentially able to be better off when people with privilege choose to act differently. Like that is humility and humbleness at its core. So Dr. Carolyn Hancock, that's her milestone moment. It could be the biggest sportsing moments of our country's history. It could be the biggest gathering of Jimneys in Clarence at the end of the month. It could be anything. But the point is, the more milestones we give you this month on the Five Drive Heritage Tour driven by Suzuki, the hope is the more hope we're all going to have and the more we're going to be able to see just how awesome this country can truly be. So every day you're going to get a milestone moment, your dose of positivity, your dose of South African excellence, unapologetically on the show. Here we are at the Mklanga dealership and we're meeting incredible South Africans. Dr. Carolyn Hancock, someone who changes legislation in our country, who goes and builds a school because she sees that in our contemporary South Africa, the one that's supposed to be free and fair for all, there are kids out there in this country who don't have proper access to education. And she said, well, in my community, that's not good enough. So she built a school. But, you know, it's very easy to read these things as statistics, right? Like gross unemployment rates and like bad pass rates. But at the end of the day, these are not statistics. They're real people. They're real young South Africans. So what happens when you take a young South African who wasn't supposed to, based on the lottery ticket she was given at birth, didn't choose the numbers, but the world said, you're not going to have opportunities. You're going to be in a place where you're not going to have the same access to education as the kid who drives past you while you're walking to school. But what if that kid was given a different opportunity? What if that kid was given a different shot at life? What would happen to them? What would happen, for example, to our new best friend, Snare, who is exactly one of these now young women, but at the time, children that was given this opportunity by Dr. Carolyn Hancock. Take a listen to her story. Sned, it's amazing to meet you. Uh, we were sort of hearing a little bit about your background now and things like that, but I wondered if you could tell me from your perspective, like what do you remember about your, your early life? Yeah, my name is Sned Mande, and I'm a former learner of Tembeliche School and an employee now at Tembeliche School. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and yeah, I was one of the underprivileged children who we're learning in a shack. And then, yeah, we'd sometimes come to school hungry, go home hungry, no, not knowing what we would eat at home. Yeah, and we lived in very violent areas where people would fight and it was just scary for us as little children. And getting home was also difficult at some times because we, we had to, to walk long distances and come to school. And then Dr. Hancock came along and gave us a much more conducive environment to learn under. And it was not just um, a school to me, it was more of a second home where um, we had food, we were also given clothes, and loving teachers who also became our mothers. 
um, our second mothers. And yeah, it was a journey. And then where I also got an opportunity to show off my talents, um, became a singer in the choir of Tembelike School and also led the choir. And we traveled a lot of places, places I never thought I would travel at such a young age. And yeah, it was very, very, very nice to be in that environment where we could start, learn at the same time, but also enjoy being coming to school and being at school. Yeah, and then I studied, um, we learned and then finished my grade seven. Um, had to find a high school, find a high school in the rural areas in Gondwana. And then where I got a chance to be head girl, but I thought I was too small <laughs> to handle so, so such big people. So I declined really? the position. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, and I believe Tembelite gave me knowledge that no one can take away from me because I took that with me. Um, and passed my matric with flying colours. And then I qualified um, to go to DUT, Durban University of Technology, where I studied a diploma in internal, audit of, uh, diploma in internal auditing. And then I graduated this year, finished last year, and then got a young daughter who is 18 months now. <laughs> and then it has always been one of my goals to come back to the school and give back to it for what it has done. Um, because... Um, I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't come to the school and Mrs. Hancock didn't come and take us out of that shack. It's an incredible story about how one person's life was changed, but the school is changing hundreds of lives and we're going to change thousands more. And it's the exact kind of energy that if we throw into the soup of this country, it will just taste better and be better and more will have opportunities because hope isn't coming. No one's going to give it to us. We all thought that that was the case, but we realize now that hope is something that we're going to have to build. And for those of us who are here and do love and do care, we're going to do it. Uh, Snare mentioned that she was a singer, so we had to ask if she would sing for us, which she agreed to do. She's going to sing quite aptly amazing grace for us on the show next this is what happens man this is how ryan taylor from one of the biggest bands in the world goes on to collaborate with a young man who had a dream who broke through south africa onto the global stage and became a hip-hop superstar casper in your vest and ryan taylor on five it's called soul it's also coming up four five and a big part as i said of the tour this year is we just want to show you examples of people who have created hope who have made it a part of their reality like dr carolyn hancock who went and said i want a better future for the children of my community so she built a school are you kidding me and now there are people that get to go to that school and get to have their lives changed they get opportunities they wouldn't have had before and snare who we spoke to on the show the first thing we ask her is we say well snare you know for you right what do you want out of your life because now you've been afforded this opportunity she looks at us in the eyes and and she says i want to give this to other people because of how it changed my own life imagine that right Imagine someone who has crawled so far and hard to get out of their own hole that life put them in. And all they want to do is they want to bring other people out with them. Something very South African about that. So we asked Snare, she mentioned she was a singer, if she would sing something for us. And the song that she chose to sing, considering all of that, I think is just pretty perfect. So here she is, the backdrop of the KZN sky behind her. Sun was setting, we're in the Midlands. And she began to sing. Take everything else out and let's just listen to this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I 
was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Catch up from some of the best moments from the Five Drive team by going to Five FM's Catch Up page on the Five FM app or Five FM. Zero. Zero.